Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2022.10. As usual, we've got Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. And this episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your ho- local Home Assistant settings remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configure is done. Configuration is done through the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. All right, Rahan, 2022.10. Yeah. Pretty cool. So another month, obviously. But before we get to 2022.10, uh, a couple of announcements that I think have come out first. First one being uh, mm. State of the Open Home has been scheduled for the 13th of November at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. Uh, so the for those not familiar, State of the Open Home, previously called State of the Union, is, I guess, home assistance yearly conference um, where the founders of Home Assistant get together, sort of make some announcements, you know, what we've accomplished this year, what we're looking forward to. Um, yeah. I, previously, it was in person. I don't know if it's going to be live again in person now that pandemic's sort of semi-over or we're starting to open back up or uh, generally there was always live streams of it. But anyway, 11 a.m. Yeah. Pacific Standard Time is when yeah. you, know, you can tune in. Yeah, and in the past, they even did like community members that would go in and do demos and stuff like that, mm. right? So I think that was uh, that was kind of cool too. So and we've done a live episode there and had people you know commenting on as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, always fun. We'll see how that's going to work this year. Yeah, um, and then people are interested in the Xiaomi uh, FP1 sensor. We actually did a live unboxing and we talked about it in the. Uh, in episode three of the All Things Smart Home show. So go check that one out. We'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Yeah, it was quite fun. I um, got some ideas from people during the stream as well. And I uh, actually, my original idea of using that sensor um, and needing another sensor because they were a bit slow, um, it's actually been solved because during that stream, we found that they actually emit events um, of you know people entering a room, um, which mm-hmm. I was able to tap into first, and yeah, now I'm just running that sensor as soon as I walk into my office here. Bam, lights are on. It's fantastic. That's cool. Yeah, um, and a big one uh, next month. Well, sorry, this month now. Uh, October is month of what the heck. Um, it's also Hacktoberfest. So if you haven't already, log on to DigitalOcean, um, register for Hacktoberfest, get yourself a free T-shirt or plant a tree. Uh, you get to choose. I think you've just got to make four eligible pull requests in either GitHub or GitLab. Home Assistant is uh, going to be uh, signed up for that program. Uh, they have generally, you know, uh, done it every year, and we've seen a lot of influx of stuff coming in. So I do expect, you know, you know the November release to be uh, big. There's going to be some voting available also on the Home Assistant community forums, where you can vote for, you know, quirks, things that you want changed in Home Assistant. That's the whole idea of what the heck, you know, why is this happening? Why can't we get that changed? Uh, obviously, just because it's the most upvoted item or, you know, it's not a competition, but anything that is just because it's highest voted doesn't mean it's going to be added into Home Assistant. Um, it is still a community project. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Ryan, have you got anything that you would uh, say right now, you know, what the heck, why, what do I want to change in Home Assistant? What frustrates you right now? Well, I mean, I, we've got one that, that I really want to add in there too, right? And uh, which is in RTSP or sorry, in an MQTT camera, you can't add an RTSP stream. So interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be creating a uh, community poster on that and, uh, yep. and, and hopefully it gets enough upvotes. So nice. 
uh, my what the heck would be in the profile area or the settings area of Home Assistant. When you log into Home Assistant, you get asked, uh, generated a short-lived token um, that lives in your profile. And mm-hmm. I think if you don't choose the, you know, remember me um, button, then every time you log in, a new token is generated. If you go into your profile, you'll actually see at the bottom of the screen, near your long-lived tokens, just above that, there'll be a whole list of um, short-lived access tokens. And there's no way to multiple, like, delete those over time. So if you log in, you know, like, oh, I just log in. Yeah, yeah. So I just go into my profile and there's, you know, like 50-odd uh, tokens that are sitting yeah. there. So I have to delete them one by one. It would be nice to be able to just clear out all the old ones or anything like that. I think that would be handy. That would be handy. But yeah, 2022.10. What do we got, Rohan? Oh, man, there's a, there's a few things. There's actually some really um, cool parts here. So, for example... Um, We've got uh, brand connections, right? So essentially, we don't know what it's going to be called, but think about it as you've got, let me give you an example of something with a bunch of entities. So if Google, for example, there might be Google Nest, there might be a bunch of other like Google Calendar, Google Sheets, whatever other integrations. Um, so today, those are all listed out as if you go into the integrations, if you go and try and add an integration, it'll be Google Sheets, Google Nest, Google, whatever, Docs, whatever. Uh, so what they're going to do is they're going to start collapsing it so it's easier to find. So it's more of like, hey, what are you looking for? Hey, I'm looking for Google. Okay, great. So let me search Google. And then in there, there's going to be a couple of other uh, categories within there. So kind of like a submenu piece, right? So that is, uh, that's going to be uh, coming into this uh, release as well. And I think they're also, uh, from my understanding of it, too, you can do like a search and Philips Hue might come up. And then uh, it will tell you how you can link that item into Home Assistant. So, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, Philips Hue is a Zigbee protocol, you can, you know, link it through ZHA, Zigbee to MQTT, or the Philips Hue hub. Um, yeah. So I haven't been able to play with the beta, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to uh, this release. But yeah, I'm hoping that's how it's going to work. That's how I understand it anyway. One thing I forgot to ask, actually, we, we had the creators call as usual, but one thing, uh, one thing that I, wanted to ask or I thought of after rather is I wonder if custom components can leverage that too. So quite a few people obviously use custom components. Yeah, that's right. So if that's the case, then if I have a custom, I don't know, I used the example of Google earlier. If I have another mm. custom Google component, maybe like Google meet or something like that, uh, will whoever developing those custom components, will they have access to that? So, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, it's like, yeah. that's a great one to your local yeah. to your, yeah, Same. exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of different options for sometimes for a single platform, right? Yep. Um, or multiple parts within that platform, right? So for example, Tuya might have something that's Wi-Fi based and Tuya might have another product that's Bluetooth based, right? So those could be two separate options. So what do you want to pick? Or again, Echobee is another one where we talked mm. about a couple of episodes ago where it's like, hey, you can run it through the integration or you can run it through HomeKit. But I think in a case like that, it won't show up because it's still HomeKit. Um, Interesting, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I think you know there there might be a couple of uh, gotchas there. All right, uh, another thing coming out. I think we mentioned this in the last episode as well. Active connections for Bluetooth proxies are now available. Um, so yeah, now if you're using uh, an ESP Home device and you want to use it as a Bluetooth proxy, it now also supports active connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, they said something on the creators call about what's coming soon for that too. Are we able to talk about that? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's actually part of this release. I think that's where the active connection parts come okay. in. So I think what's happening is, so as you move through, um, so today, if, again, if I'm using an ESP Home, um, I've got like a Xiaomi sensor as an example, something like that. 
Yep. Well, what happens is that that uh, that sensor is connected to that uh, ESP home. As it moves through my house, it might still be connected to that ESP home. Uh, maybe I have one in my office here and then I'm going to the other side of the house or in the backyard or something like that, uh, where I might have another ESP home, but it doesn't actually move over. So it, it, it's the way I understand it, it's more of like home assistant is now uh, controlling that connection rather than the ESP home itself. So what happens is um, a home assistant can actually broker it to say, hey, you know what, we're going to move to this radio. Um so start to it's it's almost like having roaming in the in the wireless world where you have multiple access points and you roam between them. Um, at, at least that's how that's how I understood um, Paul is talking about it. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. It's sort of yeah, you're right. Like a Bluetooth device being linked to one sort of you know like a phone. Um, if it moves away from that phone, then it, it's broken the connection. But this could mm-hmm. allow. I'm just trying to think of you know some random Bluetooth devices that you may want to move around the house. Um, yeah. yeah, but also or, keep their pre- presence as an example, right? Like it's... yeah, pre- presence would be great. Um, but even like if you could have like let's say you've got like a, a smart sensor, right? Mm-hmm. That you then move to another room for whatever reason. Um, it doesn't necessarily then have to pair with another um, ESP home. Yeah. You can then yeah. If that's how it works, that is a game changer for Bluetooth because it essentially yeah. also it almost replicates like a mesh network that you know Zigbee or a Z-Wave would do, right? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it not yeah, it's, it's more more among roaming rather than like a mesh mm. where like in the wireless world a controller would have the brain and it would have that control and the radio is effectively that's all it is, it's just a radio. Gotcha. Um, rather than the access point itself owning it, so sounds kind of similar. Again, I I may have this wrong, um, but that's uh, that's kind of what it sounded like. And uh, if that's the case, that is very exciting. Either way, Bluetooth. Um, just this past two months has really like been opened up to smart home again. I think it was sort of a, a gimmicky thing. Um, I don't know when Philips Hue announced that they were adding Bluetooth to their Philips Hue hub, uh, sorry, to their Philips Hue bulbs, I thought, well, what's the point, right? Like, it's yeah. going to be inferior. But now with Home Assistant now having the ability to Control link that. up to, you know, Bluetooth uh, devices, yeah, it's a game changer. I'm still, I don't know, I'm still not sold on Bluetooth as a... Oh, 100%. Like, I would like, avoid Bluetooth at all costs. If, if there was a yeah. device out there that said, I'm only Bluetooth... And I've got a few like um, Soma controls. The SwitchBot, I think, is also mm-hmm. um, Bluetooth. They are they were they were um, a pain in the ass to you know get into Home Assistant. Yeah, um, having to run you know bridges and and all that. Um, and you still have to do that you know with ESP devices now. Um, it it just sounds like Home Assistant now has the ability to direct control them. Yeah, as opposed to needing you know a third party bridge, you know a Raspberry Pi in the middle. But it's, yeah, it's I would, Bluetooth that doesn't entirely suck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would still avoid Bluetooth. Like if there was an option between a Bluetooth only device or a Wi-Fi Zigbee Z-Wave device, I'd probably yeah. go and avoid the Bluetooth one, definitely. Yeah, 100%. All right, one thing I am really excited for is subviews uh, mm-hmm. that are coming out. So this is, uh, and I was actually uh, in the middle of playing with a new uh, Lovelace dashboard for a tablet that I want to eventually put up in my house. Yeah. And this is uh, coming very nicely, nice timed. So in Home Assistant, you have now the ability to create what are called subviews. These are views that they don't appear in the side menu. Um, and when they are displayed, 
they will show a back button in the navigation bar instead of the menu. So uh, previously this was done with, I think, browser mod. You could have done that. Um, yeah, because you have to was, hide the... You have to hide the, the default navigation bar yeah. and then replace it Create with a back button. One, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Yeah. Now with subviews, Home Assistant will display the back button in that panel and remove all the other menu items. So it actually feels like uh, navigating through another page in a mobile app. Um, and it's particularly great for things like tablets, phones, where you are going to use that back button. I was using a uh, the Mushroom Custom Chips. They have a, a back button on there, but it mm-hmm. puts it in line in, uh, below that menu and it doesn't make sense, but... With subviews, this is going to make it yeah completely uh, different. Yeah. So, and it sounds like there's going to be like uh, essentially like a navigation card there too, right? So it's like in in your tablet view, you can tap on that card and that'll take you into that subview. Because again, remember that subview is hidden is from from that top menu as well, right? So when you yep. uh, like again, if you're using UI mode to create it, when you hit edit, you'll actually see the subview, uh, and there's an option there saying like make this a subview essentially, right? And uh, once you make that a subview, great. And then when you hit done, it effectively gets hidden. Um, yeah. But then the, now the question is, how do you get back into there? Well, that's where it's something like a navigation card comes in, where you tap that card and it brings you into uh, the settings for that. So if you think about it, that means you can now have like a much cleaner tablet interface, right? And then yep. you tap into like, hey, you know, I, I want to modify lights. Great. You tap into lights and then you've got your light settings and say, hey, you want this one up, down, whatever that is, right? So that way when people walk into your house, for example, it, just, it still looks clean. It still looks nice. Um, it's not just here's a bunch of stuff, right? That's you know, a bunch of different controls. It's interesting that you bring up the the navigation bar. So I, as I was creating this tablet UI, I had... Uh, you know, I would create a, a view for a room, but I don't want that, you know, at the top in the bar all the time. So the only way to hide it in that navigation bar was to hide it based on which user was logged in. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, in I have to edit the view and then go, okay, only show this view for these people. And I'd have to select the non-tablet, like everyone except the non-tablet person essentially. Um, yeah. With now with subviews, I don't have to do any of that. Like that's so handy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sports books has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc there was one we don't really have it in our show notes but i thought it was kind of interesting um it which is really they're restyling some of the dialogues as well so like a lot of the pop-ups that pop up and things like that and it's Uh, one of those things where you kind of need to look kind of carefully to recognize it uh, but effectively, again, to just align with more like material three kind of design principles, yep, uh, more rounded corners, things like that. So that uh, that's coming as well. But a little right, look of paint here. across the whole thing. 
Yeah, why not? Yeah, cool. Uh, YAML automations can now be viewed in Home Assistant. So uh, previously, if you were trying to view a YAML-based automation, it would instantly display an error telling you this automation can't be edited. Um, really frustrating, I must say, kind of when I can't remember which automation I've built in YAML and which one I've done in the mm-hmm. UI. Um, you can view traces, of course, for both YAML and uh, UI built automations as long as they've got a unique ID. Um, but yeah, you, you would just hit the, okay, guess, show me this automation and no, you get an error. Sorry, it's a YAML automation. Get out of here. Um, now, Home Assistant will try and show you a uh, interface of the automation you've built in YAML, the um, same way as if you had done it in the UI. Um, so yeah, very handy. Obviously, um, it's only read-only, but of course you can then uh, copy and paste your YAML back into the visual editor in the UI if you want to then move things out of YAML into the UI. Yeah, I think eventually the goal is also like to be able to just like click a button and clone it and like do those kind of things, right? So that'll yeah, be kind of perfect. nice. Um, yeah, that'll but, be good. Yeah, so... Uh, but even if not, at least you have a visual reference of, okay, I got this, this, this great. Let me dump it and create a new automation based on that for now. Right. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about some new integrations. Um, we've got Google sheets. Um, it's actually an interesting one because now it's, uh, it essentially what it does is it lets you append rows into a sheets document. So what that means is now I can take some data from home assistant and put it into the Google sheet. So for example, maybe I have uh, Google data studio that's looking at a bunch of stuff that I'm mm. using to graph out, I don't know, whatever long-term trends in my home or something like that. Uh, but now in theory, what you should be able to do is take some of this information that you see in home assistant and actually dump it into a Google sheet. I think right now there is a bit of a limitation where you can only have, uh, one active sheet that's being, uh, worked on. Uh, but I think that's still, it's still kind of nice to another way to export data or whatever, right? This would be, uh, very handy for things like energy. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the energy dashboard, like, because then you could just push it to, you know, the Google Sheet would be a long term storage. You know, that's if you don't want to yeah. do something like um, Influx or any other long term storage options out there. Yeah. Uh, the only caveat to that is I think there's still a lot of energy sensors that aren't exposed as entities in Home Assistant, which I would love to see. Um, I was building out, you know, my tablet dashboard and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have, you know, like just a, a custom mushroom card? of you know how much energy consumed today or how much the cost of energy has been today but that is in the energy dashboard but it's not a sensor that i can just template out into my dashboard that i'm aware of so Mm -hmm. hopefully that'll come maybe there'll be another what the heck item um (laughs) that's right there you go all right iBeacons are now supported in home assistant um so they are bluetooth enabled devices that advertise um, identifiers to announce their location. So uh, one example that the docs mentioned, and I think we've mentioned uh, a couple of times on the episode, is also oh, on the podcast, is uh, attaching an iBeacon to a trash can or a rubbish bin, um, and mm. then to determine if you know if that uh, bin is on the street or if it's in the garage. Um, so there's some known devices that are currently working with the iBeacon integration. Um, they're from Blue Charm and Fizicom. I'd love to see more support. I'm actually using a, a Room Assistant. I think it's yeah. Room Assistant that I'm using, um, which I have paired with my a couple of my Tile Pro trackers. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, if I could replace that with um, 
these iBeacon supports um, because they're just advertising a static uh, yeah. Bluetooth MAC address. Um, I think that would be really handy. That's cool. All right. Um, Kegtron, everybody's favorite topic, beer. Um, <laughs> so, so Bluetooth uh, smart keg monitor support. Um, so again, with the advent of Bluetooth coming in so on. Um, so the integration supports smart keg, smart keg monitor devices, uh, which is their first generation. So the KT100 and the KT200. Uh, which uh, relay data via BLE. So hopefully, uh, Brandon, who we had on episode 54, hopefully Brandon's excited. So. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, KMIT Microbot Push. So it allows you to locally control a Microbot Push, which is a small Bluetooth button pusher, uh, similar to a SwitchBot. Um, so yeah, now there's a Bluetooth device that you can control with Home Assistant. Yeah. I don't... I've got like a few switch bots. I don't, I don't know if I have a. I only had one random use case for it, and I've sort of stopped needing it. I don't know if I've. Have you got anything around the house that you would just want a, a random little robot to push a button for? I've seen I've seen people do it with uh, like a coffee machine and stuff. Yeah. So to turn it on. So um, I forget which episode it was, but we had uh, Pete, I believe, XBMC mm. nut come in and but he talked about you know let's open up the coffee machine and actually just wire it into a i think it was a shelly one uh yeah yeah i think so uh relay right and or, or a relay of some kind in either case um if you don't want to do that i think that's a good use case for it i do think they're kind of like bulky uh, mm. but i get it you got to have space for the electronics in there right so to actually push that button so but um, I don't know if I have a because anything that I kind of like again like my light switches and stuff are all, all smart anyways, right? So I don't know. Yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, I don't think I have a use case for it. The curtain version I might have a use case for, right? The buttons I don't know. Mm. But if uh, you've got like a like we have a garage door opener mm-hmm. near our front door, maybe you could you know push that to remotely. But then you could probably easier to just go out and get. One of those, you know, HomeKit compatible Bluetooth garage door openers, and yeah. In, incidentally, funny, funny you mentioned garage door openers. Um, mm. My queue, I think, broke again over the weekend or over the, uh. on like, <laughs> I don't know, like Thursday or Friday or something. Well, I think so. I saw something on the yeah on the Facebook group. Yeah, which is uh. fantastic. Um, yeah, because my garage door is like compatible with my queue, and I was like, oh, I'll just buy the module, and then yeah, I've just seen all the hate on just. It's, forums for it. you know what, it was actually really good for a while i don't know if they just had like a cloud outage or what what it was but mm. it was really good for a while it was stable for me at least and then yeah. um because you haven't heard me compa- complain about it in, in the podcast true. either That's but true. um yeah i don't know it's uh so you have a, like you've got the the mic you mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So, any reason why you haven't switched it out for something like HomeKit compatible? Like, there's some really cheap um, Miros Wi-Fi HomeKit compatible garage door openers that you can buy off Amazon. Yeah, like fifty bucks. Because um, it's HomeKit compatible, it should be locally controlled, not near the cloud, and you just yeah. you know wire it in. Any reason why you haven't done that now, or are you maybe thinking of it now? No reason I haven't done it. I've actually I I got to one point where I started looking at. Um, again, different options, stuff like that. And then I think I just got distracted or had way too much work going on or something like that and just ADD yeah. kicked in and it didn't, <laughs> uh, didn't take over from there. But uh, no, no, uh, 
am I willing to replace it? Yeah, I I just don't know if I want to uh, spend the money today, but I, I yeah. might just from a reliability perspective, it's just annoying. Because um, the last thing you want to do is like get home, your smart door lock hasn't isn't working for whatever reason, you haven't got keys with you to open the door. Yeah. Um, and your only way into your house is to go through the garage and mic is down. Yeah. Um, although you don't have an internal door, so I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a garage door opener button in the car right but uh no 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 don't bring logic into oh just bring uh, the key yeah, fob with true. me you know it's right? true. no 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 it's, it's smart or you're done right that's right <laughs> <laughs> makes sense makes sense yeah but yes you would just have that in the car right yeah um all right switch b um so apparently that's a company that makes uh smart homes more accessible and affordable um, excellent yeah, sounds like a sounds like a, <laughs> a plug there. I don't. Know. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds, a, sounds like yeah, a bit of a sales salesman. I know, right? Um, but we 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 have I I have no idea who Switch V is. So again, I'm not saying anything no. there. But uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure they are though. That's uh, good for them. Um, but so now they've brought in uh, some fo- some device types: uh, switch, timed power switch uh, for some like a boiler, uh, group switch, timed switch, lights and dimmers, and uh, scenario, whatever that is. I assume that would be like a scene, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, some breaking changes. So this is just a little subset of breaking changes. There are mm-hmm. more on the release notes, but a uh, big one for anyone that's using the Bayesian sensor. The probability yeah. given false configuration variable is now a required configuration variable. Um, and I like the explanation. There was no mathematical rationale for the previous default value. So <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so you'll need to put that in. There's also a numeric state template and state entries with only one two-state configured will all now also only update to the prior probability accordingly if the observation is false. Um yeah, so it shouldn't affect everyone of the Bayesian sensor, but yeah, you will need to go in and make sure everything has a probability given false at least. I know I got mm-hmm. picked up when I tried to run the beta there. Interesting. Um, Workday. So if you used a Workday sensor, um, there's some changes in the upstream library. So there's some stuff that's not supported anymore. So UK subdivisions, so Wales, Scotland, England, etc., cetera, uh, can't be provided as values to the country configuration keys um but they can be used to the province setting um isle of man is no longer a recognized province of the uk so you use im for the country code instead and uh the extended portuguese holiday set um is no longer available as a separate country but you should use uh pt as the country code and ext as the province so interesting the workday sensor is like a really um cool sensor to have in your home this is an instance if you need it like mm-hmm. just yeah the way it does public holidays um for your local region um yeah it's beautiful yeah all right um some other m bits uh for the podcast today um we our feedback just went off the uh, the, ch- the chain this month right um so petrus emailed in saying thanks so uh, hi, Phil and Rohan. I listened to your entire library of podcasts while moving into my house in Germany last year in May. Since then, I moved over completely to Home Assistant and away from the five to 10 different apps for all my smart home devices. You really inspired me and now I'm addicted to Home Assistant. So um, sorry to your bank balance. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, with the current energy crisis, I was able to massively reduce my gas consumption using smart solar power diversion using a system, my energy. All controllable and viewable in Home Assistant. I have only been running the full energy monitoring for a month, but it looks like as if I will drop my total gas consumption by four four x so four times um, their normal gas consumption, which is huge. That so, is massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, needs to pay for all these gadgets. He's going to buy putting into Home Assistant now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is Great. cool, and it's also you know reducing greenhouse gas emissions. You know, especially with reducing gas consumption. So yeah, always cool to see how Home Assistant can you know help out with that. And that's a great use case for the focus on energy for this year in Home Assistant. Yeah. And speaking of, so last episode, Phil, you you kind of ranted a little bit about <laughs> uh, the energy items, uh, energy costs not being yes. available for easier access, right? Mm. Um, so Frank actually had some feedback around that as well. So where it's, you know, it's not as easy as uh, most people think, uh, just because again, there's... Uh, I think it also depends on how much stuff you're monitoring, so on and so forth, right? Uh, but in, during the day, if you use solar and you don't get enough solar, uh, you know, how many, it's not exactly like dollars times the kilowatts used uh, or kilowatt hours used uh, per device, so on, right? So Yeah, because my complaint was, you know, that uh, Home Assistant can tell me that we have used, you know, $4 worth of electricity today and mm-hmm. it can tell me that my dishwasher used this amount of kilowatt hours and my lights used this amount of kilowatt hours, but they don't show me the cost breakdown, um, which I get it. You know, if you're using solar, do you say, all right, your solar energy attributed to the dishwasher on at this time or was it this switch? You know, yeah, I, I get that. Fair point, Frank. Um, and James also emailed us um you know, maybe there's a, there'd be an option to switch uh, the graph between like usage, uh, like a stack bar there versus and a source stack bar. Mm. Uh, so there's no conflict in when you're trying to display the data. So it kind of help uh, improve just the way the layout is right now, right? Between the between electric and gas and so on. So, uh, but yeah, so instead of having two graphs, maybe have a stack sidebar or a stacked graph. Uh, yeah. Or side by side. Um, and the water shut off. So we had our episode with Ryan um, and we mentioned who, I can't remember who it was. Was it me or was it you, Ryan, saying that we can't um, have the quarter turn valve on? Because yeah, it was uh, me. It was you, yeah. So David uh, emailed in to say, uh, just turn the water off where it is at the moment. And then after the city side, um, install a new quarter turn ball valve. Um, so you'll essentially have two water off valves, um, one after each other. Um, and then you can get use a, a quarter turn bell uh, yeah. to, to do that. Yeah. The, I guess the problem with that, I guess at that point, cause I'll need to get a plumber in anyways to do yeah. that, um, to do that work. But at that point I might as well just get them to replace the main one with a quarter turn. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, David was saying, don't bother getting a plumber or right? just do it yourself. Just do it yourself. Yeah. I don't know if I trust myself. But, um, well, that's it. Right. Especially. Yeah. You turn the water back on and you break a pipe and. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also it's funny with with stuff. electrical. I'm I'm always like, yeah, sure. I think I should be able to do this. With plumbing, yeah. I'm like, gas. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. look at. It's that's that's yeah yeah yeah. That that yeah, I will blow myself up. So that's uh, yes. That's, uh, yeah, get a professional. The other problem I have with um a few of these like quarter turn ball valves is that they need power. You know, it might be you know like a twelve volt transformer mm-hmm. down or something to it, but it's still you know getting electricity out to where it's only water. Especially for me, you know our 
water from the city comes in right, in the garden, right, where there is no yeah. power. So, um, yeah, then you put water and power next to each other. It's not really a, it's a, a good, good mix, recipe yeah. to have. Yeah. Ours is interesting. They the shutoff is at the bottom of my driveway. Um, yeah. Yep. And then, so technically, I don't know how it is for you guys, but technically, the like even though it's our property, the government technically ha- has control of the last six yeah. feet of our thing. So yeah, we call them easements here. Like yeah, so it's, it's some it's like something like that, right? So where yeah. it's essentially, I think it's actually just past there. Um, so I think it is technically still on my property. I'm not sure exactly how the legality works, but essentially mm. it's a buried pipe. Yep. So they've got a tool where they can like pop the cap off and then they, they get a really long tap closer, I guess, and, and or <laughs> opener or whatever. It's essentially, yep. so they go in and they'll turn it and, uh, run it here. But inside in my basement is where the water main comes in just before the meter. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. So. That's interesting. Yeah. So we have like, yeah, just in the middle of the garden bed. Um, it looks like you can see the water meter itself mm-hmm. um, just ticking away and there's oh, like a, next to it there's a tap right it just looks like a, a faucet a tap whatever you like yeah. to call it um, uh, that you turn off and on and literally you could be walking around your neighborhood and you'll just see at the front of everyone's house there's a little tap right it doesn't have a, a water outlet or anything on it that's actually everyone's water main so people you hmm. walk out you could be walking down the street and turn off everyone's house in the street if you wanted to interesting um, but yeah, when what from the garden bed into the house, I have no idea where it goes after that. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So, but then if let's say you don't pay your bill, your water bills, whatever, city comes, they shut it off, so you can just go back no, outside they, and just well, turn it. That's the thing, right? Um, so apparently, I, depending on who you, I've heard, of, and this is you know we're getting into conspiracy theories or something here, but I think in Australia they don't turn your water off. Like oh, there is some okay. law where they they are not allowed to turn. Right, uh, the water off for you, which um, makes sense. It's kind of it's a human yeah. necessity, right? So um, obviously, yeah, you're just going to rack up debt and debt and debt. So you wouldn't, you'd obviously need to pay a bill. But yeah, yeah I, I think you know, in, in the event that you know, you're not, they're, they're not going to be bothered to yeah. come around, and and sometimes they don't even bother checking your meter, right? They'll just estimate your water usage uh, based on previous trends and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, they actually, I think for us, they do every other one or something like that um, yeah. where they'll like, we were supposed to call it in, but they'll, they'll actually so it's self-reporting, right? Yeah. It's self-reporting, but they actually do send uh, a person down. Um, I don't know how often, whatever, maybe every other report or like what, yep. six months or something like that. So I, I actually don't have heard, do mine and I just let them estimate it and then just at least once or twice a year it'll correct itself so I'm not yeah of uh, course I just got lazy and I, I used to work for that group so I learned that and I was like all right since the last time I'm doing this if <laughs> that's one so, way to automate it that you just automate right. water, don't worry. yeah so but uh it's the advantage of working uh for the city as my first job there yeah but, cool I think uh, I think that's our episode I think that's it um, yeah, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with another episode as well. Thanks, Thanks for me. Thanks for joining us. All right. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi.
For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. 